Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. In 1 Samuel 16 that we read from during our time of Bible reading, the Bible tells a story of when the Lord was trying to pick a replacement king for Saul. And the Lord sent Samuel to the family of, of a man called Jesse. The idea behind that was that for, for Samuel to be able to pick a new king that would replace Saul at that time. In verse number 7 of that chapter, chapter 4, 1 Samuel 16, in chapter 7, I'm sorry, in verse 7, the Lord gave Samuel a standard by which he could use to be able to pick that next king. And that standard you see in verse number 7, the Bible says, Look not on his face, nor on the height of his stature. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for, for man looketh on the outside, on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The question is why? Why is the Lord telling Samuel, giving Samuel this particular instruction? Why is the Lord telling Samuel to pay attention to the heart of the person that he was going to pick as the next king? Why is he telling him that? If you go back to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 9, 1 Samuel chapter 9, if you start reading from verse number 2, the Bible told us there, the reason why the Lord is paying, and one of the reasons why the Lord is telling Samuel to pay attention to the heart was because when Saul, the king that is about to be replaced, when Saul was being picked as the king, at that time it was his physical frame that they were looking at. So if you read 1 Samuel chapter 9, reading from verse number 2, the Bible says, And he said, and he had a choice and a handsome son, whose name was Saul. There was none, there was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulder upward, he was taller than any in the, uh, than any of the people. In other words, this was a well, you know, this was a good-looking guy. When I was putting this thing together, I wanted to get a picture of a GQ guy, but I couldn't find anyone that was good enough because that guy was really looking good. I mean, Saul was really good. The Bible said that he was taller than everybody. He was trim. He was fit. And that was how he was picked at that time. So now that, and you find out that Saul became a disastrous king. Saul became somebody who was an evil king and he became a very bad person, a bad leader. He was an example of what a person should not be as a leader. And so when the Lord was about to replace him, the Lord now told, you know, told Samuel, say, don't make the same mistake you made with Saul. Don't look at his good looking. Don't, 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 don't look at his good, uh, his looks. Don't look at his physical build. Say, look at his heart. Look at his heart. When you choose a king this time, look not at his face, but look at his height. You know, look not at his face, but or the, not the height of his stature. In other words, service in the kingdom is not a function of your physical attributes. How well you serve in the house of God, what you do for God, the things you do in the house of God is not just a function of your physical attributes. It is not a function of what men consider to be the element of success. In the house of God, God looks at a different standard. When he's dealing with you, when he's dealing with me, he's looking at us at a different standard. It's not whether how organized we are, or how efficient we are, or how passionate, personable we are. The Lord is looking at something else. Service in the kingdom is based upon the heart of the person who is serving. 
It doesn't mean that we want inefficient people. It doesn't mean that God likes uh, sloppy people. No. It just means that with all the good attributes that you have, the Lord is also looking for something else, which is your heart. Because the Bible tells us, for the Lord does not see. The Lord does, the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. In other words, the Lord is saying to Samuel, pay attention to the heart of the person who you want to give responsibility to. The Lord is saying to us, pay attention to the heart of the individuals who will be serving in the kingdom. Because, like I said earlier on, the kingdom, service in the kingdom is a matter of the heart. Service in the kingdom is a matter of the heart. If your heart is not there, your service becomes, you know, ineffective. If your heart is somewhere else, what you find is that your effectiveness will be hampered. The man the Lord called through that particular process, when David, when somewhere was going, when somewhere went to the house of Jesse and was go, looking, going through the songs, the person he eventually called was David. And the Bible gave a testimony about David in the book of uh, Acts of the Apostles chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, reading from verse number 22, the Bible tells us, he said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do my will. In other words, the Lord is saying, I looked across the whole nation. I looked across this particular family. And the only person I could find was David. And why did I find David? Because David has something in his heart. Something in his heart that resonates with my own heart. And because of that thing that resonates with my heart, that is the person I want to be able to commit and re- release what they call the, 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 the reins of the nation. That is the person I want to give it to. Because there is a connection in the heart. There is a verse, it's not part of the message here, but there's something in that, in a, in, in that first Samuel that we read. In that first Samuel 16, there is something there that always baffles my attention anytime I read it, you know, and it's because of a guy. This man is called, uh, that is, uh, this guy's brother. What's his name? Uh, uh, Eliab. First Samuel. The Bible, if you look at verse number 16, first Samuel chapter 16, if you read verse number seven, from number six, there the Bible says, "And it came to pass when they look, when he uh, when they uh, and it came to pass when they came that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him.' And look at verse number seven. That is one of the saddest commentary that the Lord has made concerning anybody in Scripture. Verse number seven. The Bible says, "But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because." I have refused him. I mean, that is the most terrible thing that you can hear. You hear Billy Graham come into your house. He's so happy, he says you are going to join him on the next crusade. And all of a sudden, by the time you pick him up, he says, sorry, this guy is not qualified to even go out with me. Okay? I have refused him. The question that always comes to my mind is, what was in the life of Eliab that only God saw? And God said, I don't want this guy near me. It's a very, you know, it's it's just like a sentence in the scripture, but it's a very, very powerful sentence because it it tells us the state of mind of a man. For God, for for a prophet to look at him, for a prophet to be able to recognize him, for a prophet to be able to pick him, and then God say, no, I'm not taking you. Which means the guy must be very good at deception. The guy was very good at putting up a front. The guy must be very, very good at showing, to, at presenting himself to be who he is not. Because he fooled Samuel. He fooled Samuel. But unfortunately, he was not able to fool the Lord God Almighty. The point, the reason I brought that up is this. It is not whether a man accepts you. It is not whether a man gives you a credentials for service. 
It is not about a man saying that you are qualified for service. What is most important is the Lord saying, here is a guy that I want to be able to work with. Here is a guy that I'm pleased with. What was in the life of Eliab that got him disqualified? Like I said, it's not part of the message. It's just something that always bothers me. Anytime I read that verse of scripture, it just bothers me. Okay? So the Bible tells us, David was the man that was picked. And Acts of the Apostles, chapter 13, that we read in verse number 22, the Bible says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do my will. In other words, David was a man whose heart was right before God. And God picked him to lead his people. The question for us is that, is our own heart right with the Lord? It's not about spirituality. It's not about how we appear. It's not about how much hallelujah we shout or how much tongues that we speak. That's not the issue. The issue is, is our heart right with the Lord? If the Lord were going to be able to, you know, to speak today, will he be able to give us that particular seal of approval? There was a statement that was made during the, uh, during the life class. And uh, for, it's, it's another version. I used to make it as a joke when we used to do seminars in those days. I used to say that if God were to plug a video card to our hearts and project what is in our heart and project it on the screen. How many of us will like what you are going to see? Just imagine there is a video card that can connect to your heart and then you have it on the screen so that everything you are thinking, I look at Sister Joe and I see what's, you know, my thought about her is, print, is, is showing there. I look at Grandma, I see everything that I'm thinking about Grandma is showing up here. How many of us will like what is going on in there? That is what, that's the way the Lord sees us. The video that is running at the back of our mind is being projected. And he is seeing it. And that's why he's saying that I have found David a man after my, you know, David was a man, you know, I found David a man whose heart is right with me. Is our heart right with the Lord? David was a man, like I said, whose heart was right with the Lord. The Lord gave him that particular responsibility. In First Chronicles chapter 29, First Chronicles 29, the Bible tells us the story of another man who the Lord was about to select to take the place of David. Second Chronicles 29. The Bible tells us that David has gotten old. He had a son called Samuel, uh, sorry, called Solomon. And at that point in time, the Lord was now telling David, you know, there's, a, there's going to be a transfer of power from David to Solomon. And look at what David told Solomon. First Chronicles 28, reading from verse number 9. The Bible says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father, serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. Why was David telling Solomon that? Why is he telling him that? Look at the rest of the verse. He said, The Lord search all hearts and understand the, all the intent of the thoughts. Okay? If you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. But the second part of that, the first part of that, of that latter verse is what I want you to look at. He said, the Lord search all hearts and understands the intent of the thought. In other words, it's not just what you are doing. It's not your appearance. It's not the facade that you present before people. The Lord is saying, the, the Bible is telling us, the Lord will search your heart. And that's why when David prayed, David said, Lord, search my heart and know my heart today. In other words, look at me. There will be no presumption. And that's why when David was praying, David said, deliver me from presumptuous sin. In other words, don't let me present a front that I'm not. David is telling Solomon, if you want to walk with this God, if you want to enjoy fellowship with this God, if you want to have a relationship that will be meaningful and productive with this Lord, if you want to serve his people, if you want to serve in his kingdom, the Lord is saying, is it the Lord, this Lord that you are about to walk with? He searches the heart. He looks at your heart. And not just look at your heart, he understands the intent of your heart. 
Why you are doing what you are doing? If you are doing this thing because you want to get the accolade of men, the Lord knows. If you are doing what you are doing because you want to get a part in the back, the Lord knows. If you are doing what you are doing because this is what this is a lifeline for you, you enjoy doing it. You do it because you are expressing your praise and your adoration to the Almighty God. The Lord knows. They say the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of your thoughts. So just like God gave Samuel instruction. God's Samuel to instruction, God's instruction to Samuel when he was speaking, David was, was centered around the heart. The same thing, David giving advice to Solomon is centered around the heart issue. He's saying, pay attention to your heart. Pay attention to your hearts. If you look at first, second Chronicles chapter 16, reading from verse number 9, the Bible tells us that, it says, for the eyes of the Lord runs to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. In other words, those whose hearts are aligned to the Almighty God. Those whose hearts are in consonance, are in resonance with the Almighty God. Those who understand what God wants and who put their heart, who, who, who kind of align themselves with the Almighty God. The Lord is saying that His eyes is looking for those kind of people. And the intention is that when He looks for those kind of people, He wants to show Himself strong on behalf of those people. In other words, the Bible is saying God is looking for people whose heart is loyal. God is looking for those people whose heart is pure. God is looking for people whose heart is dedicated to Him. And as long as their hearts are dedicated to Him, the Lord is asking, the Lord is saying, I am doing this. The reason I'm looking for this kind of people, the reason I'm looking for people whose hearts are loyal to me is because I am looking for people so that I can show my power true. I'm looking for people that I can manifest myself through. I'm looking for people that I can flow through. I'm looking for people that will be able to display my glory. That is why God is looking for this kind of people so that He can show Himself stronger on their behalf. Which another word means that if your heart is not right with the Lord, if your heart is not where it is supposed to be, what you will find is that you will find it very difficult for God to show himself through you. In other words, if your heart is somewhere else and you are serving in his kingdom and you are doing his service, God will not be able to show himself through you. That simply means that you may be doing what you are doing, but people will not see God through you. If you don't have a perfect heart towards the Lord, he cannot show himself strong on your behalf. And you remember there was a time when somebody asked the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? If you look at the book of Mark chapter 12, in verse number 30, Jesus Christ gave the answer there. He said, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Jesus is saying that if you want to walk with the Lord, if you want to obey his command, if you want to say yes, which is the only command that you follow, he said, love the Lord your God with all your hearts. Because you cannot do otherwise. If you are walking with the Lord and you are doing it half-heartedly, you will find out that you will not be able to move forward. So we can see, the instruction of God to Samuel was centered around the heart. The advice of David to Solomon was centered around the heart. The command of our Lord Jesus Christ as to the greatest commandment is centered around the heart. The question is, why is the heart of a Christian so important? Why is the heart of a believer so important? Why is the heart of a man who wants to serve in the kingdom of God, who wants to be associated with the Almighty God, why is the heart of that particular person so important? 
I'll give you a couple of reasons. The first reason is this. The heart is important because of the, for the heart of a Christian is important because of the nature of the church. Okay? The heart of the Christian is important because of the nature of the church. The church is the body of Christ. If the heart is not right, it means something will be wrong with the body of Christ. The church is a unique organization. It is not like a business where profit makes and drives the agenda. It is not like a social club where you are interested in, in, in the advancement of the individual need. It is not a political organization that we are looking for power or we want to ascend the, 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 the political power of the nation. No, the church is the body of Christ whose primary goal is to glorify God. And if your heart is not in the church, then how do you want to glorify the Lord God Almighty? The Bible says you cannot serve true masters. You can either love one and hate the other. And if you are going to serve in this house, the Lord is saying your heart matters. Number two, why is the heart important? The heart is important because of the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to serve and to glorify God. And if you miss that purpose, you know, if you don't understand that purpose, if your heart is not where that purpose is, it will be very difficult for you to glorify and to magnify the name of the Lord. The purpose of the church is to proclaim the good news. If you do not love the good news, if your heart is not there, you will not be able to proclaim it. The purpose of the church is to make Christ known to the dying world. If your heart is not right with the Lord, you cannot make that message known to the dying world. In other words, the purpose of the church is to serve and to glorify God. And the man and the woman who will do that, who will fulfill that purpose, must be a man whose heart is right with the Lord. Okay? Number three, why is the heart of a man or a woman who will be involved in the service of the kingdom, why is it important? It is important because of the vision of the church. The heart is important because of the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to exemplify the love of God to the whole world. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Yeah, and He told us in the book of Matthew 28, He said, Go ye into the world and preach the gospel. If you do not, if your heart is not right with God, if your heart is not right with God, you cannot exemplify the love of God to other people. You cannot. If something is wrong with your heart, if the alignment with your heart is skewed, is in the wrong direction, what you find is that you will not be able to fulfill the mission of Christ. Okay? You will not be able to fulfill it. The question then is, what does it mean to serve? If this is the thing that God is expecting you, if your heart is supposed to be because of the, the nature of the church, the purpose of the church, and the, and, the, and the mission of the church, what then does it mean to serve in the house of God? What does it mean? Service generally for a Christian, what does it mean? If you read the book of Romans chapter 12, Romans 12, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, my, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Service in the kingdom, service in the church, first of all, is not the arranging of the chair, is not the getting the cameras ready, setting the music, singing, reading scriptures or teaching Bible. That is, it is good to do all those things in the house of God. But the service in the house of God, as defined in the scripture, is the presentation of yourself first to the almighty God. Because if you do not present yourself to God, if you have not released yourself to him, then what is the essence of what you are doing? What is the essence? So service in the kingdom of God, service in the house of God, starts first of all with the presentation of yourself, giving up of yourself to the almighty God. And there are two prevailing attitudes when it comes to servicing in church. 
when it comes to service in the church, there are two there are two prevalent attitudes or two prevalent outlook here, a way of looking at the definition. Number one is that service can be defined as an act of assistance, as an act of help or assistance. Okay, so when I say I'm serving in the church, I can say I'm acting, I'm giving help or assistance in the operation of the church. The second one is that you can define service in the church as the performance of a duty, a performance of work or duty for a superior or as a servant. In other words, you can do it. I'm, I'm providing assistance or I'm, I'm, I'm performing work as a result of my duty to a superior person or as a servant in the presence of the Almighty God. Two, two views. And I'll tell you why I'm giving you these two views. The reason that the, the way you understand these two views determines how you work in the church. The reason is because how you define service will determine your attitude and your effectiveness in the house of God. Okay? So, let me break it down. What I'm trying to say is this. If you see service in the church as an act of help or assistance, okay, you will see yourself as doing somebody a favor in which that person must be grateful. So, when you come to church and you say, I'm offering assistance, I'm offering help, you will expect to be recognized. You will expect to be to be appreciated. You will expect somebody to say thank you to you, which means which is a good attitude. I mean, it's a good thing. You should be you should be appreciated. You should be thanked. But if you see service in that light, that is what is going to be your expectation. And if you don't get it, you become disappointed. However, if you see service as a performance of a work or a duty that you have to a superior or to, or you are serving it or you are doing it as a servant in the house of God, it changes your perception because what you see, you do not see yourself as doing somebody a favor, but you see yourself as responding to the love of God that you have first received. God loves you and because he loves you, you are willing to, you are reciprocating. You say, what do I give to God? There's nothing I can give to God. So let me give him my service. Let me do something for him. It's not because he owes you, but it's a sign of appreciation. Okay? So when you have, it, the way you look at service will determine how effective you are. It will determine how you are going to respond. It will determine how you will behave when people either recognize you or do not recognize what you do in the church. Service in the church is therefore the performance of work or the duty for a superior or for a, for, for a superior God. And that superior person is not the pastor. The superior person is not the pastor's wife. The superior person is not some ministers in the church. No, the service, the, the superior person that we're talking about is the almighty God. Our service is unto God. And that is what Ephesians chapter 6 tells us. Ephesians 6, reading from verse number 5. The Bible says, it's a born servant. Be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. In other words, any service you do, anywhere, do it as if you are doing it unto Christ. Verse number six. Not with eye service as men, as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now look at verse number seven. I say, with God, with good will, doing service as to the Lord, not as to any man. In other words, whatever you do, you are doing it as if God is standing right next to you. As if you are doing it for him. As if you are doing it, doing the service to the almighty God. Not to, not to an individual. Not to a person who will say thank you. Yeah, it is always good to have somebody to say thank you. So it's always good for you, if, for us to be appreciated. But the service in the kingdom is primarily to the almighty God. Then the question is, who then is the servant? Who is the man or the woman who is called to serve in the house of the almighty God? Who is the person that can serve in the church? First Corinthians chapter 9. 
Reading from verse number 16, Paul the Apostle gave us an insight as to who his servant in the house of God will be. If you read verse number 19, the Bible says, For though I am for though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant unto all that might gain some. In other words, the Bible is saying that for those, you know, from this verse of scripture, service in the house of God is characterized by certain behavior, certain attitude, certain attribute. And the first one is the attribute of obedience. Anyone who will serve in the house of the Almighty God must be one that is obedient to the voice of the Almighty God. Number two, it is characterized by a sincere heart. A person who wants to serve the Lord is serving the Lord not with an agenda, but serving the Lord with a sincere heart. Number three, it must be done unto Christ, not unto any man. When the service you do in the house of God is not because you want somebody to see you. It's not because you want somebody to pat you in the back. It's because you want the Almighty God. You have enjoyed the mercy of God. You have enjoyed the blessings of God, the favor of God, the blessings the goodness of God, and you want to use your service to be able to say, God, I appreciate what you have done for me. So service in the house of the Almighty God is done unto Christ, and it's free from hypocrisy. The service in the house of the Almighty God is free from hypocrisy, and any the nature of service in the church is that it has to be aimed at winning souls to Christ, at strengthening believers, at causing them to be able to understand that this is the way you serve the Lord. It is aimed at soul winning, and because of the nature of the church, of the nature of the church, serving in the church must be willing. It won't be something you do willingly. Nobody puts a gun to your head in the church and says you must do this. It doesn't work like that. You can never get anybody to serve that way. Because of the nature of the church, we come to him voluntarily. And that is why Jesus Christ said, I say, I stand by the door knocking. Whosoever opened the door, he said, I will come in and then I will stop with him. In other words, there is a willingness attached to service in the house of God. Not only that, when you serve the Lord willingly, you have to serve him diligently also. In other words, it's not because yes, because yes. This is a, this is service in the house of God, so I can do it whenever I feel like, or I do it haphazardly, or I do it with, in a, in a, in a sloppy manner. No! When you're serving the Lord, you serve Him diligently. Not only that, you serve Him consistently. Consistently. In other words, it's not that I serve Him today, I take, a, I take three days off, I serve Him another way, I, say I take another one month off. No! It is, has to be done consistently. Service in the other church, is, service in the church is also characterized by submission. Submission means I am willing to be humble, to be able to take instruction from somebody else. It means I don't know everything. It means I'm willing to be teachable. That is the effect, and it also requires commitment. It means I am dedicating myself to this thing. I'm giving myself to this thing. Okay? And it also takes prayer. Because in your own strength, in your own power, in your ability, you cannot do it. If you think you can organize it, like I said, I keep saying early, every now and then, that this place is not what? It's not a social gathering. It's not a human organization. It is the body of Christ. And the owner of the door of the job will tell you how to do it. And the only way you can connect with the owner of the job is to be able to pray. So service in the, in the house of God is characterized by prayer and it's also characterized by purity. Maybe one of these days we'll do a series on this thing called purity. Because one of the things that you find is this. The enemy has a very, very, a well-perfected plan, a well-perfected strategy of keeping people away from the Lord. And the way he does this is very simple. No matter how you love a baby, no matter how beautiful the baby is, no matter how cute the baby is, and they carry the baby, and everybody says, ah, no matter how you do all those, ah, if that baby is, is, is all murdered in, in feces, is all murdered in poop, you will not embrace that baby, no matter how much you love the baby. You will not carry the baby and put it. No. You will hold the baby like this. Okay? That's the way you do to babies that are filled with poops. No matter how beautiful they are. 
And if you, if there is a way you, if there is a way somebody wants to keep you from carrying a baby that you love so much, what do they do? The easiest way for them is to rub them in feces. Just let them rub them with their poop and you will not touch that baby. The reason is because you don't want to be defiled. And the Bible makes us to understand that the almighty God, he loves his people so much. We are so close to him that he will love you. The Bible says we are the apple of his eyes. But the only time that we become reproach in his sight is when we allow the enemy to rob our bodies with poop. And that is why purity in the service in the house of God is very, very important. Because when you are serving him, purity has to be involved. Because when there is purity, his presence is with you. When there is purity in the house of God, you speak and you hear. When there is purity in the things of God, you do the things that make God happy and the Spirit of the Almighty God is willing to fellowship with you. But once this one is out of the door, whatever you are doing, you are just wasting your time. Because the Spirit is not there. And you remember what Moses said. Moses said that if your presence will not go with us, then don't take us out of this place. If the Spirit of the Almighty God will not gather with us, what are we doing here? It's a social club. So the idea is that for effective service in the church, purity must be part of it. And then finally, effective service in the church must be accompanied with accountability. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.